Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, June 13th, 2022. Coming up this hour, a global sell-off follows Friday's hot inflation reading. The Fed prepares another rate hike to tame higher prices. The January 6th committee readies for another round of hearings. And the Senate reaches a bipartisan agreement on gun legislation. Representative Ocasio-Cortez holds off on backing President Biden for 2024. Plus, we're learning more about the 31 white supremacists arrested in Idaho. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashtower in sports. The Mets beat the Angels. A Yankees route of the Cubs. The Celtics and Warriors play game five of the NBA Finals tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. And U.S. futures are plunging as we start the new trading week. It is 5.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 98 points right now. Dow futures down 631 points. NASDAQ futures are lower by 365 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 20, 30 seconds with a yield of 3.23%. Yield on the two-year close to 3.21, John. And there is a global exodus from stocks and bonds this morning following Friday's 800. 80-point drop in the Dow and the hotter-than-expected inflation reading. This morning, the U.S. two-year, 10-year yield curve inverted. The two-year yield exceeding the 10-year for the first time since early April, which some consider a recession warning. The move comes as investors grow more concerned about high prices and Fed tightening. Mohamed El-Aryan, Allianz Chief Economic Advisor and Bloomberg Opinion columnist, says things are getting harder for the Fed. I think you've got to be very modest about what we know about this inflation process. And I fear that it's still going to get worse. We may well get to 9% at this rate. Mohamed El-Aryan was a guest on Face the Nation from CBS. Heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. He says the U.S. is now in a period of stagflation. It warns that higher prices could tilt the U.S. economy into recession. Well, John June's two-days FOMC meeting begins tomorrow. Traders are betting the Federal Reserve will raise rates by 75 basis points at at least one of the next three meetings. But Neil Dutta, head of economic research at Renaissance Macro, tells Bloomberg he does not expect Fed Chair Jay Powell to raise them that high at this meeting. I don't know that they'll go that much because I do think that 75 basis points kind of undercuts the guidance that they put in place, you know, at their last meeting. And number two, I think that would probably represent potentially a new pace of rate hikes at that point, which would then, I think, shock the markets. 
Neil Dutta of Renaissance Macro says he thinks the Fed will still sound hawkish this week. Join us for live coverage of Wednesday's Fed decision with a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance. It starts at 1.30 p.m. that day, Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And as U.S. futures fall, stocks in Europe also tumbling. The stock 600 down 2.2%. Overseas in Asia, stocks also dropped and bond yields surged. While the Japanese yen reached the weakest level in 24 years. And Bloomberg's Juliet Sally joins us with the latest from Singapore. The yen weakened to 135 spot 19 against the dollar, the lowest level since 1998. Japan's 10-year bond yield rose above 0.25%, breaching the upper end of the Bank of Japan's policy band. Equity shed more than 2.5% across Asian markets, the worst day in three months. Tech shares in Hong Kong declined by almost 4% intraday, weighing on the broader Hang Seng Index. In Singapore, Juliet Sally, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Bitcoin. Is also feeling the pressure this morning. It is plunging to start this week, and Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the very latest. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Bitcoin is trading at its lowest in about 18 months. The impact of Friday's CPI data showing U.S. inflation hit a fresh 40 year high continues to reverberate through global risk assets. Traders are betting that the Fed will hike rates more aggressively as a result, and cryptos are at the mercy of the Fed. That's according to crypto lender Nexo co founder Anthony Anthony Trent who says he's hearing forecasts expecting Bitcoin to drop as low as the mid-teens and single-digit thousands. Right now, Bitcoin is trading at about 24000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Yeah, thanks, Renita. Supply chain concerns continue to add pressure to the global economy. DHL's freight forwarding unit believes port congestion and supply concerns will ease but not until 2023. The shipping giant also says that supply flows will never return to pre-pandemic levels, even as the conditions improve. And only adding to supply worries, John, are rising COVID cases in China that could potentially lead to further lockdowns. Countries starting to reimpose COVID-19 restrictions just weeks after major easing in key cities. Beijing reported 51 new local cases yesterday after having just single-digit cases most days last week. In the meantime, Taiwan taking center stage in geopolitics. It's the focus of talks between global defense chiefs at the Shangri-La Dialogue in Singapore. China says it will fight to the very end if Taiwan makes a move towards independence. But U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is calling for peace in the region. We do not support Taiwan independence. And we stand firmly behind the principle that cross-strait differences must be resolved by peaceful means. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says the U.S. seeks an Asia-Pacific region free of aggression and bullying. In uh, Washington, D.C., John, it looks like a bipartisan group of senators has reached a tentative deal on gun safety. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. A compromise that at least can pass the Senate? Well, Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal says it can also save some lives. We can move forward with other common sense hopefully bipartisan proposals after this one is passed. Our focus right now is making sure we have the legislative language and the 60 votes we need to pass it. The bill includes giving grants to states to implement red flag laws. It would provide for more school safety, as well as a provision to improve background checks for younger gun buyers. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Also in Washington today, the second round of hearings for the January 6th committee in the House begins at 10 a.m. Eastern. Former President Trump's 2020 campaign manager, Bill Stepien, will give live testimony along with the former political director of Fox News, Chris Steyerwalt. Futures moving lower. Straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This 
is Bloomberg. Thanks, Nathan. 507 on Wall Street and time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you kindly. About 100 progressive activists rallied in New York City to protest an event at Chelsea Piers Entertainment Center featuring Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Protesters chanted shame and boycott Chelsea Piers outside the Jewish Leadership Conference. DeSantis rounded off the day's speakers with a discussion on the Florida model and why it's good for religious Americans. Speculation is growing that the Florida governor is gearing up for a presidential run. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York is holding off on backing President Biden for a second term in 2024. Ocasio-Cortez said Biden has been doing a very good job so far, but stopped short of supporting his re-election. You know, if the president chooses uh, to run again in 2024, I mean, first of all, I'm focused on winning this majority right now uh, and preserving a majority this year in 2022. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Ocasio-Cortez spoke on CNN State of the Union. A group of suspected white supremacists arrested over the weekend will be arraigned today. They were masked and wearing riot gear near a Pride event in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. All 31 men were charged with criminal conspiracy. Vice President Kamala Harris spoke at the Capitol Pride Festival in Washington, D.C. Harris called for celebrating the day, but also called out hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community, including the attack on the Pulse nightclub in Orlando six years ago. No one should fear going to a nightclub for fear that a terrorist might try to take them down. No one should fear going to a pride celebration because of a white supremacist. Vice President was accompanied on stage by her husband, Second Gentleman Doug Emhoff, and the Season 13 winner, Simone, from the RuPaul's Drag Race TV show. South Korea says North Korea test-fired what appeared to be artillery shells toward the sea. Seoul says South Korea maintains a firm military readiness and close coordination with the U.S. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. SM 510 on Wall Street, and that's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashower. Good morning, John. It was a 10-game road trip for the Mets. All 10 games played in Southern California. The Mets went 5-5. Five and five. Beat the Angels 4-1. to Taiwan Walker went 6 innings, struck out 10. Seth Lugo and Edwin Diaz followed home runs for J.D. Davis and Pete Alonso. Earlier, the Braves won again. They are 11-0 in June. They are five and a half games behind the Mets. For the Yankees, another easy win. And a bit swung on, there it goes. Deep left field, right field, it is high. That is Kate. far, that is gone. It's a three-run home run, away back, over the grandstand, into the bleachers. Carpenter nailed that one. And a three-run blast, and the Yankees take an 8-1 lead. WFAN Yanks, who had beaten the Cubs 8-0 Saturday night in the Bronx, came back and led 10-1 in the third inning, went on to win 18-4. Matt Carpenter with that three-run shot later, another home run. He drove in seven. Kyle Nagashioka hit his first two home runs of the season. The second one was hit off Cubs infielder Frank Swindell, whose pitch was 35 miles an hour. Yanks have played 60 games. They've won 44 of them. Celtics and Warriors, game five of the NBA's finals tonight in San Francisco. Celtics are 7-0 in the playoffs, coming off a loss, and they lost game four in Boston when Steph Curry poured in 
43 points. Rory McIlroy shot 62 in Toronto, won the Canadian Open Golf by two shots over Tony Finau, by three over Justin Thomas. Justin Rose finished fourth. He shot 60. McIlroy won 1.6 million the day after Charles Schwartzel won the first ever tourney on the new Live Tour and won Four million. John Stash, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks very much. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, futures continue lower. The Dow futures right now down another hundred and uh, 603 points. That's down almost 2%. S&P E-mini futures, 94 points lower. That's down 2.4%. The NASDAQ futures, 351 points lower. That is down almost 3%. The two-year, 320. The 10-year, 323. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Just ahead, we'll take a deeper dive into markets this morning with Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Global sell-off is deepening after Friday's surprise U.S. inflation print heaping pressure on the Federal Reserve to step up monetary tightening. Traders are now pricing in 175 basis points of tightening at the next three meetings, including one 75 basis point move uh, between now and September. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures right now down 95 points, a drop of 2.5%. Dow futures down 619 points or 2%. NASDAQ futures leading declines now down 3% or 363 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 19.30 seconds. The yield 3.22%. Yield on the two-year 3.19. The twos tens curve briefly inverted earlier this morning for the first time since early April. NYMEX crude right now down 1.3%, down $1.58 at $119.10 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1% or $18 at $18.57.50 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0471 against the dollar. British pound 1.2216. The yen 134.35. Bitcoin trading around $24,000. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. The House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot will hold its second hearing this morning. The committee will examine former President Trump's repeated false claims that there was huge voter fraud. Senate bargainers have announced the framework of a bipartisan response to last month's mass shootings. It's offering modest gun curbs in efforts to improve school safety and mental health programs. Game five of the NBA Finals is tonight. Celtics and the Warriors are even at two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets remain hot. One again, the Red Sox, Orioles, and Giants also won. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you very much. 520 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, investors are repricing the risk that the Federal Reserve hikes rates more aggressively than previously thought. Let's get you set up for the trading day ahead now with Lori Calvacina, the head of U.S. equity strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Happy Monday, Lori. Is 75 the new 50 for the Fed? 
All right. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me as always. Look, I will tell you, um, I know that there have been some changes around the street to Fed forecasts, um, but our uh, our rate strategy team has not made that shift. They've said it's not necessarily off the table um, for, for July or September. They think that it won't happen in June. Um, for now, our team is still sticking with 50 at the next three meeting. Are risk assets to be avoided at all costs? So I think that with U.S. equities, and we put out a note this morning basically saying that sort of the 38.50 level doesn't hold, and, you know, right now the futures would suggest that that's at risk, that there could be downside in the market um, to around 3,200 on the S&P just if it were to price in an average recession. That being said, we also indicated that uh, there's scope uh, for equities in a recession pricing scenario to bottom out at higher levels. Um, if you look at sort of the recessions of the early 80s, the 1991 recession, we saw a decline to things like 17%, um, 20%, 27%, and we've already, you know, gone past that 17% number. We're getting close to the 20%. Um, but, you know, I think if markets do break kind of below, it, today is a pivotal day, and if we kind of break below that 38.50 type level, which is the outer bound of growth scare territory, similar to the 2011 and 2018 declines, then I think you could be in for full-on uh, pricing of recession. What does history tell us in terms of what areas do best in this environment? So I think that it depends on whether or not you're looking at the historical Fed playbook um, or, 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 or inflation expectations, are those moving up, or if you're looking at sort of the historical recession playbook itself. And, you know, one of the things that we have talked about is that if you look at the small cap part of the market, riskier bits do tend to underperform on the way down. And we've actually already seen dramatic underperformance in the small cap space. And small caps actually held up pretty well on Friday relative to large caps. So I think you can look back at that historical recession playbook. Um, but I also think that you have to keep in mind areas like consumer discretionary have already fallen pretty hard and are already pretty close in terms of the decline they've seen to what they typically do in a recession. Um, so we would actually be a little bit more concerned in here about some of the areas that may not have gaps down enough. Is it uh, just assume that tech is really the, uh, the area that's going to take it on the chin with the future growth now in question? Well, I think that you have to be careful when you use tech. Um, you know, we, we did a study that we put out this morning looking at inflation expectations and how sectors tend to uh, perform when those are moving up, which was the big kind of shocker from the Michigan survey on Friday. And we found that the communication services area within large cap really tends to be inversely correlated with moves in inflation expectations. So that's got your Internet stocks. The actual tech sector itself, semi-software, hardware, that sort of thing, does have an inverse correlation, but not nearly as negative as what you see on the the comm services space, um, and even the consumer discretionary space, which has some Internet exposure as well. So I think different parts of tech will have, you know, kind of different degrees of risk. Do you guys assume the thread, uh, the, uh, the Fed can thread the needle? So what we have baked into our current targets, and those may be at risk, but what we have baked in our current targets is that the Fed does manage to pull off. I wouldn't even call it a soft landing, you know, maybe a bumpy landing, but avoids the crash and burn scenario. Um, I do think that, you know, I think recession odds have risen if you sort of look at the commentary from our economists on Friday. Um, but I do think that, you know, we did see some resilience on Friday that has to be respected with the market closing around 3,900, which was in line with that mid-May low. So I think today is a pivotal day. What do you expect from the Fed this week? 
oh, I don't get into the Fed forecasting business. I leave that to our rate strategy and economic team. But I will tell you, I think that the CPI print made this Fed meeting much more important than it had been. And as always, I think we look for the commentary rather than the actual decision. Um, and I think, you know, we have two camps of investors to satisfy those who worry inflation's out of control and who think that growth is at risk. Um, and I do think in, you know, sort of the, after the last meeting, I mean, some of the commentary, we saw some attention paid to that latter camp trying to assuage concerns. Um, so I'll look to see if that continues going forward. Lori, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets this morning. And out of the cash open on Wall Street, futures firmly in the red. The Dow futures down 595 points after Friday's sell-off. That's down 1.9%. S&P futures, 93 points lower. That's down 2.4%. And the tech-heavy Nasdaq futures right now down 350 points. That's down 3%. The two-year yield at 3.19%. The 10-year just slightly higher at 3.22% this morning. And you're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. At Daybreak this morning being brought to you by Utah, Manhattan's most reliable car service. Visit them at utog.com to set up an account today. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm John Tucker. We're about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on some of the news you need to know this hour. There's a global exodus from stocks and bonds this morning following Friday's 880-point drop in the Dow and the hotter-than-expected inflation rating. And this morning, the U.S. two-year, 10-year yield curve inverted. Two-year yields exceeding 10 years for the first time since early April, which some do consider a recession warning. And tomorrow, John, June's two-day FOMC meeting begins. The Fed's expected to raise interest rates again. Traders are betting the Fed will raise rates by 75 basis points at least once in its next three meetings. Ben Bernanke, former head of the Federal Reserve, says it's possible the U.S. slips into a recession, but it might not be a large one. I think a recession is possible. Economists are very bad at predicting recessions. But I think the Fed has a, a decent chance, a reasonable chance, of achieving a what uh, Jay Powell calls a softish landing. Former Fed Chair Ben Bernanke spoke on CNN. You can join us for live coverage of Wednesday's Fed decision. A special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance starts that day at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. As U.S. futures fall, stocks in Europe also tumbling. The stock 600 down 2%. Overseas in Asia, stocks also dropped. Bond yields surged. Well, the Japanese yen reached the weakest level in 24 years. And Bitcoin's feeling the pressure as well this morning. Bloomberg's Renita Young's tracking that and joins us live. Renita? Good morning, Nathan. Bitcoin is trading at its lowest in about 18 months. The impact of Friday's CPI data showing U.S. inflation hit a fresh 40-year high continues to reverberate through global risk assets. Traders are betting that the Fed will hike rates more aggressively as a result.
default. And cryptos are at the mercy of the Fed. That's according to crypto lender Nexo co-founder Anthony Trenchev, who says he's hearing forecasts expecting Bitcoin to drop as low as the mid-teens and single-digit thousands. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 24000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. And today marks the second round of hearings for the January 6th committee. Today's hearings start at 10 a.m. Eastern. Former President Trump's 2020 campaign manager will give live testimony related to the insurrection of the Capitol. So will the former political director of Fox News. All right, John. Right now, S&P futures continue their plunge. They are down 95 points. Dow futures down 610. NASDAQ futures are lower by 366 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 20, 30 seconds. The yield, 3.23%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Nathan. 533 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr now with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. Connecticut Governor Nut Namat is commenting about a potential deal among a group of bipartisan senators on gun reform. Lamont is suggesting lawmakers use his state as a model. Connecticut passed strict gun laws four months after the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School nearly 10 years ago. Nobody has taken away your guns. You're still hunting, doing that safely. you got to understand that we can get the right balance. These slippery slope arguments kill a lot of reasonable compromise. Governor Lamont says Connecticut's laws include universal background checks, banning the sale of high-capacity magazines, and creating a registry of deadly weapon offenders. More than 30 members of a white supremacist group will be arraigned today. They were arrested over the weekend near a northern Idaho Pride event. Police say the Patriot Front members with riot gear were arrested after a tipster reported seeing people loading up into a U-Haul at a hotel parking lot in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York is holding off on backing President Biden for a second term in 2024. Ocasio-Cortez said we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I believe that the president has been doing a very good job uh, so far and um, you know, should he run again? I think that I, you know, I think it's it's we'll take a look at it. Okay, <laughs> but right now we need to focus on winning a majority instead of a presidential election. Ocasio-Cortez spoke on CNN State of the Union. Fighting continues to rage in Ukraine's eastern Donbas region. Ukrainian forces are outgunned trying to hold off the Russian advance. Observers say the Russians are using food as a weapon. Last week, the United Nations warned that Russia's blockage of Ukrainian ports could cause a global food crisis. The Tonys were handed out last night. A Strange Loop won the best musical. Jennifer Hudson has now joined the EGOT Club and Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. She was one of the producers of A Strange Loop. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. It's 5.35 on Wall Street, and it's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, John. Matt Carpenter played 10 years in St. Louis. Was a good hitter until the last two seasons when he had about 350 at-bats and only hit seven home runs. He's got seven with the Yankees in 24 at-bats. He hit two, drove in seven, and the Yankees were out of the cup. Kind of got away from me the last two years. Um, you know, just didn't really have it. And was able to put in a lot of good work and have a lot of people help me kind of get it back. So it was pretty rewarding and to be able to do it um, in New York City for the best team in baseball and, you know, 
them have the faith in the sign me, it means a lot, and I'm enjoying it. Carpenter wasn't going to play until Glaber Torres wasn't feeling well. Kyle Agashioka hit his first two homers of the season. The Yankees beat the Cubs 18-4 to the day after winning 8-0. They sweep the series. They've won 11-12. of In that stretch, they're averaging scoring more than seven runs a game. Mets finished the road trip with a 4-1 win over the Angels. Pete Alonso with his National League lead in 18 home runs. J.D. Davis hit one. Taiwan Walker got the win, much needed because Atlanta won again. The Braves' 11th win in a row. Whoever wins tonight in San Francisco can then win the NBA championship Thursday in Boston. It's game five of the finals. Celtics and Warriors tied at two. U.S. Open golf coming to Boston this week. Rory McIlroy just won in Toronto with a final round 62. Upset in college baseball. Notre Dame beat Tennessee, who was 57 and nine in rank number one. The Irish are now off to the College World Series. WNBA, the Liberty lost by two to Chicago despite Sabrina Onyescu having a triple double while still in the third quarter. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. And it's time for the Tri-State Business Report. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Ed Curry. Interest in short-term rental properties has risen over recent years. Now booking private residences by the hour is a thing. The Times reports booking stylishly decorated private homes as alternatives to sets and studios is a growing niche in the short-term rental market. U.S. colleges and universities have priced about $15 billion worth of bonds this year. Princeton University issued bonds earlier this year, and Brown University is joining a flurry of the nation's richest colleges that have tapped the municipal bond market this year with an $85 million offering. Well, the healthcare field accounts for about 16% of Connecticut's workforce, and nurses and certified nursing assistants are in high demand. The Governor's Workforce Council estimates an annual need of 3,000 new RNs, 2,500 openings for certified nursing assistants. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. All right, thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. And let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about L.A. ranking as the worst metro area in the nation for first-time homebuyers. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on WHAS in Louisville. Many baby formula plants were not inspected because of COVID. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm reporting that the city ranks second in a new study of the top five places for first-time homebuyers. I'm Caroline Hepcomb, Blue Lake DAB, Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on Boris Johnson government planning to override parts of its Brexit deal with the EU, risking a trade war. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting officials want the city to be the home of an agency that directs research on hard-to-treat diseases. Now, those are some of these stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It is now 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Russia's attack on Ukraine has made the West, in this context NATO and the European Union, more united than it's been in a long time. Unfortunately, as the invasion turns into a grinding war of attrition, that cohesion is now at risk. Western leaders must focus on the two weakest links in their alliance – Turkey and Hungary. Both countries have signaled for weeks that they are not fully behind the effort to support Ukraine. 
This is no time for unreliable allies. Unfortunately, neither the EU nor NATO has a mechanism to eject errant members. That means both institutions will need to get creative, using economic, diplomatic, and political pressure to bring Hungary and Turkey in line. Holding together the Western alliance has never been easy, but with a worsening war on its doorstep, it has perhaps never been more necessary. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Dow futures right now down 615 points. S&P futures down 95. The Nasdaq futures 366 points lower. And Bloomberg weather for today from Rob Carroll. A chance of an early morning shower thunderstorm. Then skies become partly to mostly sunny today. The high temperature about 85 degrees. Tonight partly cloudy. Lows in the mid-60s. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan Hager futures are plunging, pointing to an extended sell-off that's set to push the S&P 500 into a bear market after Friday's stronger-than-expected inflation data sparked expectations that the Federal Reserve will hike rates even more aggressively. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 95 points. Dow futures down 609. NASDAQ futures leading the declines this morning down 368 points for a drop of 3.1%. The 10-year Treasury is down 21.30 seconds. The yield 3.23%. Yield on the two-year right now 3.19%. NYMEX crude is down 1.3%, down $1.55 at $119.10 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. COMEX gold down 8 tenths per cent or $15.60 cents at 1859.90 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0469 against the dollar British pound, 1.2208. The yen is at 134.49. Bitcoin trading just shy of $24,000. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Another January 6th hearing is taking place this morning. The House Committee investigating the riot at the U.S. Capitol is delving deeper into Donald Trump's false claims of widespread voter fraud. Those unsupported claims fueled Trump's relentless effort to overturn the 2020 election. A review by the FDA says that Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine appears safe and effective for children under five, the only group not currently eligible for vaccination. Game five of the NBA Finals is tonight. The Celtics and the Warriors are even at two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets won again. The Red Sox, Orioles, and Giants also won. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. It is 549 on Wall Street, and we are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. The global exodus from stocks and bonds looks like it's gaining momentum this morning. Uh, let's get some more color this morning from Joanna Ossinger, cross-asset reporter with Bloomberg News. Uh, joining us this morning from Singapore, there is more pressure on the Fed to intensify the rate hikes. Uh, and i got to ask you this morning, is there any appetite for risk, Joanna? 
it does not look like it. I mean, now basically traders are pricing in a Fed rate hike of 75 basis points. We have the yield curve, the two tens inverting, and you know the yen is tumbling to the lowest since 1998. We just have so much stuff going on. Stocks are flashing red pretty much across the board. So it does look like quite a risk-off day. Okay, so as, as far as valuations, is the, that looking any better? <laughs> well, it, it's looking better. I mean, you can say if you like a stock at, say, $50, you'll like it a lot more at $30. But, you know, the question is how are the companies going to be performing in this environment where you might have a lot of inflation and you might have even stagflation, for instance. So, you know, it it just depends, I guess, on what you see as the potential going forward. But definitely they are getting cheaper. So that's the bright side if you're at all optimistic about the about stocks in the market right now. Yeah, can we gauge what future uh, growth is worth right now with uh, the Fed on this uh, more aggressive path? And does that especially mean that it's technology that's going to take it on the chin? Yeah, well, tech stocks definitely are imperiled, and of course, they're already down quite a lot year to date. But, you know, I mean, it's also true, I guess, that people are seeing the potential that the Fed will really have to hike and really have to get on top of this thing. But there are still a lot of things that are working for, say, the U.S. economy right now. I mean, you still have, you know, labor market doing somewhat well. And, you know, there there is potential that the Fed could still achieve a soft landing. I mean, you know, so it, if you want to be optimistic, there there could be some things out there. But it does look like a situation that at least is really uncertain, if nothing else. And it, it looks like we're going to be having a lot of rate hikes going forward. Okay. If you want to talk about risk assets, let's talk about crypto right now. How much of this... Uh, but broader sell-off is risks. How much is specific to uh, to crypto assets like Bitcoin, which, by the way, is now under twenty-four thousand? Yeah, Don. I mean, it's really just uh, crypto has done quite badly, and of course, it was holding out. Bitcoin was around thirty thousand dollars for months, and that got boring for people. But it was at least somewhat steady, but it's just going way down ever since that inflation print. And actually before Bitcoin and Ether are now down a seventh consecutive day, um, the the pivot by the Fed to the rate hikes uh, has not been good for crypto at all. And it's really actually been worse for other cryptocurrencies, you know, Ether, Avalanche, Cardano, Dogecoin, because the Bitcoin is kind of the seen as the least risky of them, and others have done pretty badly. Plus, you had Celsius, which is a fairly major lender in the space, saying it's freezing withdrawals today, and that's on top of the Terra and Luna meltdown last month. So there is concern in the space that you can have assets one day and maybe not be able to access them, or even with Terra Luna that something could drop precipitously for you. Well, are there technical support levels we need to closely watch when it comes to crypto? I've got about 40 seconds. Yeah, sure. So um, there's the 200-week moving average around 22,300. That's a first line of defense at this point. And then people are looking at the 19,500, which was the 2017 high. 
And those are kind of the main ones from here, but there were predictions that if we got below that 29,000 support, it would drop pretty quickly. And it has done that. So, you know, and then some people are kind of even suggesting further levels below that 19,500. But that's what we're looking at right now. Joanna, thanks a lot. Appreciate it this morning. Joanna Osinger, Cross Asset Reporter with Bloomberg News. Nathan. John, thank you. We're just about at 5.54 on Wall Street. Time now for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning. Here's Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. California's Chief Justice says the court system is considering requesting an extension of emergency pandemic-era powers because infections are still disrupting judicial operations. There will be no tax relief for Michigan residents. Governor Gretchen Whitmer vetoed a $2.5 billion income tax cut. A new law in Illinois requires employers to provide two weeks of unpaid leave for workers who experience pregnancy loss, failed adoptions, or other events affecting pregnancy and fertility. Bloomberg. Law, everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Now, another legal story we're watching, Top Gun Maverick. It's already grossed more than $600 million worldwide. Now the heirs of the writer whose story inspired the original Top Gun movie want to share in those profits. They filed a lawsuit against Paramount, claiming the studio's been on notice since 2018 that its copyright to the Top Gun franchise was terminated and that it released the sequel without securing a license. Paramount says the claims have no merit. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, partner at Katten Muchen. Terry, this is a blockbuster movie with an enormous budget that's been highly anticipated for a long time. The return of Tom Cruise as Maverick. It seems incredible to me that a studio like Paramount wouldn't be sure they had the rights sewn up before the release. Well, I think that's correct, June, and I know for a fact that Paramount's well represented on the legal side, and I assume that they came to the same conclusion that I did, that there was no obligation on their part to purchase a new license from the Yone family in order to produce the Top Gun sequel. So we get a hint of Paramount's response in the suit. According to the suit, the Yonez sent a cease and desist letter in early May to which Paramount responded that the film had been sufficiently completed before the effective termination date of its copyright and was not derivative of Yonez's article. How is this not derivative? I actually went back and read the California Magazine article called Top Guns, plural, that was written by Mr. Yone, and it was nothing more than a factual account of two fighter pilots' typical day in the Top Gun training program. What it did not have was that the rear seat for Maverick dies during the training. There's no female trainer, the Kelly McGillis part. There's no encounter with MiG fighter jets over the Indian Ocean. There's no father of Maverick being shot down in Korea as the backstory. There's no iconic volleyball match. There's no competition amongst the Top Gun pilots vis-a-vis the Maverick versus Iceman competition. There's simply no story there. What there is is a factual recounting of a typical day for two typical Navy fighter pilots in the Top Gun program. The characters are not the characters that got put up on the screen, not Maverick. It's a rather bland set of characters who seem more like bus drivers going to their jobs every day and then drinking at night. 
And that was Terrence Ross, partner at Cat and Moochin, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. S&P futures are down 92 points right now. Dow futures down 594. NASDAQ futures down 352 points. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.